This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide story that affects you. Jake, I recently got to the Capitol and realized that I was walking into a yearly tradition Ooh. at the state Capitol. Ooh, I know this one. It's when road funding talks fall apart. Yes, that was also happening, but that's not what I'm thinking of. (laughs) Instead, I walked in on open carry day at the state capitol. Ah, nothing like walking into work surrounded by people with assault rifles on their backs. (laughs) It is a little jarring. It gets me every year. But this is one of, actually, probably one of the more well-known examples of activism that goes on at the state capitol. You know, grassroots organizations and sometimes even bigger organizations will hold rallies at the capitol. They will meet with lawmakers where they're really just trying to get get the representatives and senators in Lansing to focus on an issue that they care passionately about. Right. This is the kind of direct grassroots lobbying that happens way out in the open. I mean, you could see it literally happening, which is maybe why we get all the the jarring photos of the guns every year. But yeah, on on many different issues, this kind of thing happens at the Capitol every year. Now, we can contrast this, however, with a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And I'm thinking specifically about lobbying and even more specifically campaign contributions and whining and dining that goes on. Absolutely. And there was a actual pretty explicit report that came out this mm-hmm. week from the Michigan Campaign Finance Network that didn't get quite as many headlines or posts on social media as Open Carry Day, but the Michigan Campaign Finance Network reports that registered lobbyists reported spending more than, get ready for this number, $517,000 on food and drink purchases for state office holders over the first seven months of 2019. That's just the first seven months. $517,000. I still can't believe that number. So we felt like we had to put that into some context. So I gave Craig Mauger a call. He's the director of the Michigan Campaign Finance Network. Some of the lawmakers have received so far, uh, two of them have received more than $5,000 in free food and drink. Um, uh, those totals are, are larger than you know what we usually see for an entire year. That's a lot of tacos. It's a lot of tacos. It's it's a, it's a lot of food. It is probably also a you know uh, who, who knows, but I'm I'm guessing some of this is uh, is on the drink side of things because you know uh, when you go uh, for a meal out, that that tends to be what drives the bill up from people that I talk to who who run in these circles. Okay, so maybe more tequila than tacos, Shana. But I mean, <laughs> it's it's interesting to hear about this. The thing that is tough with these kinds of reports is it's not always easy to draw a direct line between what this kind of spending means for policy decisions that lawmakers make. Exactly. And I've done a few campaign finance stories in the past. And whenever you ask representatives and senators about these contributions, be they to their political action committee or to, you know, different dinners and lunches that they've received, they always always say that, you know, this doesn't have an impact on the way that they vote. This has nothing to do with that. They're just going and hearing and listening to these people, and they're just getting support from them in one way or another. But that doesn't mean that they are going to sway the lawmaker in how they vote. But at the end of the day, it does leave people to wonder that if these people don't have any influence on these lawmakers, then why are they spending so much money on tequila and tacos? Right. You're not just going to spend $517,000 and not expect something in return. So what can you, the listener, do? I mean, essentially, to arm yourself with information, you can put this into some more context by going to mcfn.org. That's the Michigan Campaign Finance Network's website. It's a really good way to put into context who is spending this money and what they might want. 
Here at Mishmash, we have some exciting news. We are now a podcast. Woohoo! So now you can find us uh, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Mishmash. That's M I C H M A S H. All one word. And there's going to be some additional content on our podcast feed. For example, this week you can hear our full conversation with Craig Mauger of the Campaign Finance Network. So Craig and I talked a lot more about this report that MCFN just released. So here's that conversation. For just some background, we've been tracking the food and drink spending by lobbyists. Uh, They're spending uh, buying food and drink for lawmakers in the legislature for many years. It's something that we do uh, basically twice a year when the reports come out to analyze who's getting the most free food and free drink among state office holders. So this year when we sat down to do it and started examining the numbers, we found that a small number of lawmakers, some very influential members of the state house, were receiving uh, large sums of free food and drink, uh, much larger sums than we've seen before. Uh, over the first seven months of the year, and even over an entire year. I mean, the amount of money some of the lawmakers have received so far, uh, two of them have received more than $5,000 in free food and drink. Um, uh, those totals are, are larger than you know what we usually see for an entire year. That's a lot of tacos. It's a lot of tacos. It's it's a, it's a lot of food. It is probably also a you know a, who who knows, but I'm I'm guessing <laughs> some of this is uh, is on the drink side of things because you know uh, when you go uh, for a meal out, that that tends to be what drives the bill up from people that I talk to who who run in these circles. Yeah, I mean, so so lobbyists reported spending more than five hundred seventeen thousand dollars. I mean that that number seems astronomical when you think of how much. Uh, that represents in 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 food and drink, and this is a record amount. Uh, any ideas at this point of of why the spending is is up this year? Yeah, so if you look uh, if you look back over the last you know decade, spending on food and drink goes up in odd number years. We're 2019. This is an odd number. Uh, and it goes down in even number of years. Hmm. So why is that? Uh, the reason for that, according to lobbyists who will, who will tell you this, maybe not openly, but if you uh, talk to them for a while, they might divulge this, is uh, lobbyists spend more money in the years after an election on food because there are new office holders coming to Lansing and lobbyists are spending money taking them out to eat and getting to know them. So that first year when the new lawmakers are in Lansing, that's kind of a key year for lobbyists who are going to be working with these people for a while to get to know them and begin building uh, relationships with them. A lot of lobbying is about building relationships with the decision makers. So when you do need something, you have access to that person to, at minimum, at least voice your thoughts on whatever the policy is before them. Now, of course, um, you know, we every time we talk to you about uh, things like uh, campaign finance and and so forth, it's important, I think, for us to talk about why, uh, you know, regular folks listening to this should care. And, you know, the the. The, obviously, that number is it sort of hits you the five hundred and seventeen thousand dollars on food and drink purchases. But what does this really mean? What does it mean for the the process there in Lansing, and why should people pay attention? Well, I mean, it, 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 these numbers tell a greater story, and and these numbers alone might be something that people can brush off. But all of it is related to specific policy outcomes that happen. I mean, people do care 
about policies that affect their checkbooks, policies that affect the jobs that they have. And if you are ignoring kind of the spending on campaigns and ignoring the spending on lobbying, you're not getting the full story of a policy outcome that you care about later. Uh, and I think also people in their lives can relate to the fact that, you know, the people you spend the most time around are probably the people that, uh, you know, influence you the most, the people that you uh, are at least able to share ideas with and exchange and debate with, and you, and you know a lot about them. So these food and drink spending numbers indicate that lawmakers, some lawmakers more than others, are spending a, a, a lot of time with lobbyists in Lansing who are there. They're lobbyists because they're paid to make policy arguments on behalf of an interest group. And some of these interest groups might be uh, very well-meaning interest groups, but the, but the point remains that the lobbyists are there working, trying to win people over uh, to their side, and, and the food and drink spending um, is, is one tool that they have to try to get to know these lawmakers and, and build trust with them. Now, when it comes to the lawmakers that were benefiting the most from this or that were accepting the most money in in food and drink uh, from from lobbyists, have you been able to make any connections uh, policy-wise on on positions that they've taken or anything like that through this uh, research? I mean, this is this is uh, you know that's a great question, and we have we have previously you know shown like you can't draw a direct line in all situations that because this meal was purchased, this outcome happened. But the but it can tell a larger story. I mean, one example in the new lobbying disclosures is there's this huge debate going on right now about the future of the Line 5 oil pipeline. And if you look at the lobbying disclosures, you can see that Enbridge has increased, Enbridge, the company that owns the pipeline, has increased its lobbying spending to a very large amount in the last few months. And that points to a larger story about Enbridge is, 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 is trying to fight to protect this pipeline and make the argument to people that the pipeline should stay. I mean, there are others from this year that we've also uh, you know, pointed out. All three professional sports leagues, the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball have increased their spending on lobbying in Lansing in the past year, and we don't know all the reasons for that, but you know, one of the big issues that is out there is this debate over whether to legalize sports betting in the capital. And in, in other places, the leagues have tried to weigh in on what sports betting is going to look like. So, I mean, those are a couple of examples of the connections between lobbyist spending and policies before people. I mean, there are, there are many others. Uh, last year, there was a, you know, a debate over whether we should select, if we should elect our presidential votes via uh, electoral college or via national popular vote. I mean, if enough states decide to give out their delegates um, uh, by the national, by what happens with the national popular vote, we would effectively have a decision based on the national popular vote. And kind of in the run-up as this debate was going on, oh, a large number of lawmakers went on uh, trips to either Hawaii or other destinations uh, for seminars about the national popular vote. So all of these things paint a story and and uh, tell a story and give us more information about the larger uh, the larger path to public policy decisions that affect all of us. Yeah. But we're not all in there watching these seminars, 
sitting at the meals that are happening in Lansing or, or, or you know, fully taking part in, in viewing what our elected officials are doing. Sure. So, you know, we, we have been talking as part of this conversation about the contrast between maybe this kind of lobbying and what a lot of people are talking about uh, in the last few days, which is, uh, you know, uh, which is uh, open carry day at the state capitol. Now, this is a, this is lobbying, too. This is a different kind of lobbying. This is sort of uh, citizens uh, directly lobbying out in the open for a certain um, outcome in policy. Um, and, and of course, uh, something like Open Carry Day is an is a example that gets a lot of attention, but uh, it's very common to see groups, interest groups, organize these kinds of events, no matter what the, the subject mm-hmm. is at the Capitol. You, may, you, you see big speeches. Uh, you know, there's lines out the door at the uh, House office building of people going to meet with lawmakers directly on a specific issue. You know, contrast these two things as, as part of the process. Well, I think, you know, different groups have different strategies for how they try to impact policy and impact, you know, the narrative of what's going on. Uh, Some organizations that are more grassroots focused and have large numbers of supporters are going to more likely try to show their strength by having rallies and having people out on the Capitol lawn and going uh, to meet with lawmakers, you know, having grassroots individuals to support them go meet with lawmakers. You know, other other entities that have uh, financial resources to uh, pay lobbying firms and to, and to spend money uh, on, you know, meals to meet with lawmakers, they're going to flex their muscle in a different way. So, I mean, d- these are both... Uh, ways to try to speak out to lawmakers and, and try to show them, you know, that we're watching, that we're keeping our eyes on you, and these are the policies that we care about. Uh, but there are definitely different paths to that. I mean, uh, having a rally on the Capitol lawn is a very open way of saying, you know, here we are, who are here are the people that support us, and here's what we're about. Um, some of the other lobbies spending that you don't hear hear as much about is much more difficult to track. Uh, we actually have you know kind of less access to figure out what's going on and who's wanting what and and who's writing some of these bills and what's being talked about over some of these meals that are happening. But it's also a way for people to for people and businesses and labor groups to try to work with lawmakers to get outcomes that they want. Sure. So tell people how they can find out more about uh, this report and others that that you're doing at uh, Michigan Campaign Finance Network. Yes, definitely. So we try to track money in politics, whether it's lobbying or campaign finance related, and and we do it all at our website. Uh, uh, We are called the Michigan Campaign Finance Network, so you can Google that or you can go to mcfn.org. Craig Mogger is the executive director of the Michigan Campaign Finance Network. I'm Jake Neer for Shana Roth. Thanks so much for listening to Mishmash.